From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday edition. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is so good to be on with you today. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Did you have a good weekend? Uh, I had a great weekend. I have a great story to share with you about my weekend experience. I had a unique opportunity to shout to the top of my lungs through downtown Houston, Texas, fourth largest city in America, that Jesus died to save sinners. I got to shout it to the top of my lungs, and the police were there to protect me. How cool is that? I'll share that story here coming up in just a little bit. But we've got a a great program for you today. Uh, Joseph Chambra is on the show today. We're going to be talking to him. He, you can go to his web- website, josephchambra.com, Sons of St. Joseph. He's got a very unique story. He is a guy who uh, grew up, uh, he, he was uh, he encountered pornography at a very young age, just like I did. It led to some crazy things in his life to include uh, homosexuality and uh, even pornography and other things that led to a lifestyle that was very destructive. And by the grace of God, he was able to encounter Christ and be saved from that. And he has been uh, telling the world about this incredible encounter with Jesus for, I think, 17 plus years now. And He's got a unique perspective on what it means to uh, to have this uh, same-sex attraction, to live the church's teaching, and to encounter a culture that seems to embrace this lifestyle that is, in fact, destructive. And he made a comment that really stood out to me uh, over on social media at the end of last week about something Amy Coney Barrett said during her uh, confirmation hearings. You know, she was asked about uh, the Supreme Court case that that made it possible for uh, same-sex attracted couples to get married in America. And she used the words sexual preference instead of sexual orientation. Well, this triggered a lot of people on the left. And Joseph made some interesting comments about that and what that might mean for the future of America. So we're going to get his take on all of that in today's program. Uh, unfortunately, Teresa Kamar from HoustonCoalition.com is not with us today. Uh, Janelle, our intern from the University of St. Thomas, is also, I'm seeing a trend here, David Magianis. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she is not here today, but uh, Tim Mott is here, David is here, I am here, and we've got a great full program lined up for you today. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Tim Ott. Worldwide coronavirus cases crossed 40 million on Monday, according to a Reuters tally, as the onset of winter in the Northern Hemisphere fueled a resurgence in the spread of the disease. The Holy See press office said on Saturday that a resident of the Vatican Hotel where Pope Francis also lives has tested positive for COVID-19. 
The person who was asymptomatic so far has been temporarily moved out of the Casa Santa Marta residence and placed in isolation. Recently, three other positive cases among residents or citizens of the Vatican have recovered. Two churches were torched as tens of thousands of demonstrators gathered on Sunday in the central Santiago Square to mark the anniversary of a protest movement that broke out last year demanding greater equality in the country of Chile. The demonstration comes just a week before the Chileans vote in a referendum on whether to replace the dictatorship-era constitution, one of the key demands when the protest movement began on October 18, 2019. The Diocese of Richmond is set to pay a total of $6.3 million in settlements to more than 50 victims of clerical abuse, according to the bishop last week, or this week. During February 2020, the diocese started an independent reconciliation program to offer help to alleged minor sexual abuse victims through an independent arbiter. On October 15th, the diocese released a report detailing the program's conclusions. Out of 60 claims submitted to the administrator, 51 were given offers of payment, all of whom accepted. And a new report says that Colorado's three Catholic Catholic dioceses paid $6.68 million to 73 survivors of sexual abuse by priests since 1950. As reported in the Los Angeles Times, the Archbishop of San Francisco performed a short exorcism Saturday outside a Catholic church where protesters had earlier toppled a statue of Father Junipero Serra, saying the ceremony was intended to drive out evil and defend the image of Serra. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione performed the ritual before some 150 supporters, saying before saying a special mass inside St. Raphael Catholic Church and marching to a Planned Parenthood clinic. At least four new wildfires sparked over the weekend in Colorado and Utah during what has been a record-breaking fire season in the western U.S. More than 8.3 million acres have burned across the country this year, according to the National Fire Interagency Center. In Colorado, firefighters battled the Calwood and Left Hand Canyon fires in Boulder County over the weekend, bringing the latter to full containment within a day. And finally, a hiker from Woodland Hills, California, who was reported missing for two weeks inside Zion National Park in Utah, was found and reunited with her family on Sunday. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, October 19th. Back to you, Joe. On the 19th of October, 1984, a priest by the name of Jerzy Popilusko, I probably said that wrong, uh, was kidnapped by the secret police in Poland. And he was beaten for a full day, beaten to death, and his body was left out into the woods. And they recovered his body and the stone that uh, made the final blow that took his life. What was his crime, besides being a Catholic priest? That he preached against communism and socialism, against the evil atrocities that this system of government would inflict upon the people of Poland and beyond. You see, his homilies were being broadcast on Radio Free Europe, and they would not have any part of it. They tried several times to uh, to stop him. You know, they would charge him, but the church would apply some pressure to say that they would defend him, and the charges would get dropped. He'd be released. But eventually they said, you know what, the gloves have come off. Enough is enough. And they just outright kidnapped him and martyred him for the faith. It's a sad, it's a very sad story, but it's one that we're seeing more and more of today. And I think Blessed Jersey Popolusco uh, shows us that we have to remain fervent. We have to remain stalwart in defending the faith and preaching the good news in season and out, even when people don't want to hear it. It's an important story. 
So I would ask you to uh, ask for the intercession of Blessed Jersey today on this incredible day of his feast day. But there's also another day, a story I love to tell, and I have told it many times, St. Philip Howard of Arundel, England, 16th century. In 1581, he was a uh, he was a courtier of uh, Queen Elizabeth. He was a playboy in the court. He loved to have a good time, let's just say, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, with Queen Elizabeth and her friends, uh, because he was the son of what was arguably the wealthiest man in England at the time, um, whom, by the way, was executed for treason. His grandfather was also executed, but in that case, it was Henry VIII. And uh, Philip of Arundel had a good choice to make here. He could either live the life of luxury of of being a playboy in the English court, or he could end up like his father and grandfather. Well, he chose to be the playboy. He was young, wealthy, having a good time. He was married, of course, but, you know, his wife stayed home with his mother and family, and he did whatever he was going to do in London. Well, in 1581, he happened to take in, as a means of sort of uh, entertainment, the mock trial of St. Edmund Campion. And Edmund Campion, who was a very famous uh, convert away from Anglicanism to the Catholic faith, had gone and become a priest, a Jesuit, and come back to England in the mission field to convert the English back to the Catholic faith. And uh, Edmund wrote a pamphlet and sent it to the English government, basically goading them, you know, one day you will capture me, and when you do, get ready, because I will be ready for you. I'm paraphrasing. You should read it. Look it up. St. Edmund Campion. Well, they did capture him. He was betrayed and, uh, you know, saying a, a mass and he was arrested and he was tortured for days. Not allowed to sleep. He wasn't fed. He was just tortured. And then they brought him to a trial and they thought they could take him and show him and uh, use him as a, as a show uh, in front of all the English people to, to like make fun of him and to demean the Catholic faith. Well, it turned out that even in his diminished capacity, uh, St. Edmund Campion was more up to the task uh, intellectually than any of the brightest, well-rested, well-fed scholars the Anglicans could produce. And he, let's just say, he wiped the floor with them in front of all of these people. And uh, there was St. Philip of Howard of uh, Arundel in the crowd watching this happen, and he became convinced of the truth of the Catholic cause. And he returned to his faith. He was baptized a Catholic as a boy, but because of his situation in the court, you know, he lived the Anglican life and the party life and but now he had a choice to make, a very difficult choice. He went home. He begged forgiveness from his wife for all of his infidelities, and he converted, and he converted his house to become a center for the Catholic faith, for the Jesuits, and he helped to protect and hide priests, and, and he was providing for the cause in England until, until he was betrayed, and he was arrested and sent to the tower. And he was con- uh, convicted of uh, being a, a traitor to the cause. Essentially, his crime was he prayed for the success of the Spanish Armada against the English. That was his crime, that he prayed for the success of the Spanish Armada. But Elizabeth didn't want to just kill him. He was convicted and sentenced to death, but she wanted him back. She wanted him back as that playboy in her court, and she kept him locked up in the tower. She took possession of all of his property, kicked his wife out of the house, and and uh, he was not allowed to see his wife or his children ever again. For nearly 10 years, he lived in the tower, slowly, slowly dying of malnutrition every day, praying fervently every single day for hours on end, remaining true all the way to the point where he could go no further. 
It's a powerful story. In fact, he, he, he etched in the wall that to die for, for God is everything. To die for truth. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. You should look it up. I want you to research these things. Uh, St. Philip Howard of Arundel and St. Edmund Campion. Look up these stories. I think they will change the way you think and look at the world. And they should because that is why they're saints and we aren't. Let's ask for their intercession today. Blessed Jersey, Pope Lusco and St. Philip Howard of Arundel, pray for us. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Uh, so much going on in uh, in the church and in the Guadalupe Radio Network today. I, I'm so excited about some of this stuff and other stuff to sort of, I don't know, uh, it's so depressing to read the headlines anymore. But um, as I said, Teresa Kamara is not able to join us today, um, but uh, we've got a great program coming up uh, here in just a little while. We'll be speaking with Joseph Chambra of uh, Sons of St. Joseph about not only his story about how pornography affected his life and how it uh, in these re- relationships in his life led to some tragic decisions that had so many implications on on his health, on his uh, mental, physical, spiritual well-being, and the lifestyle of homosexuality and what it did to him. But also, um, you know, he made this great comment about Amy Coney Barrett, the use of the word sexual preference, and how it triggered so many people on the left, uh, and what that might mean. And we'll discuss that with him in just a little while. But I want to share some couple of things really quick here. Uh, the Fishers of Men events around the Guadalupe Radio Network There is uh, one coming up in West Texas next week. I'm going to be there up in Midland. I'm very excited. Bishop uh, Joseph Strickland will be the keynote speaker. We're looking forward to that. And then uh, Houston, Texas is also hosting, but theirs is somewhat unique. In other words, in Houston, I don't believe you have to be from Houston or live in Houston. You can pretty much be anywhere on planet Earth with an Internet connection and participate. Tim, can you give us the details on that one? Uh, yes, absolutely. Since that's my event, I'm very happy to share those details with you. Uh, it's actually November 10th, and because we are going, uh, this is a super special year for the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm sure if you're a regular listener at all, you would have known that this is our 20th anniversary. And so I wanted to do something extra special for, for Houston this year. Um, so uh, we chose the, the biggest friend of, of Catholic Radio uh, to receive the Fishers of Men Award, Larry Massey, president of the Scanlon Foundation. He is not only only president of the Scanlon Foundation, but he's done so many things for so many Catholic uh, ministries all across Texas, across Houston. Um, and we've tried to give him this award before, but he keeps saying, no, 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 give it to somebody else. No, no, no. And I said, no, Larry, this is your year. It's the 20th anniversary. So what do you know? COVID-19 hits. And actually... That's an opportunity because that yeah. means there is no cap on our attendance. We are 100% virtual. Yes. We can have as many people as we can uh, watching this uh, live. Now, so instead of doing like a regular old Zoom call where you got a lot of talking heads on the, on the computer and mm-hmm. you're just, the, we're all sick and tired of that. We've been doing that <laughs> forever. This is going to be a live staged event, awards presentation with a keynote speaker from yeah. the Fathers of Mercy, Father Bill Casey. It's going to be a classy, fun event, and uh, you can watch it live from the comfort of your home. Uh, if you uh, if you sign up and, and become an underwriter, uh, you can see all the perks on the website, grnonline.com. Amen. And I would love to get uh, get in touch with you and um, get you on board here. So yeah. you can celebrate someone who has imp- impacted not just Houston, but uh, the entire Guadalupe Radio Network. I'll never forget experiencing Father Bill Casey for the first time 
being a somewhat new Catholic, you know, I had a mystical encounter with Jesus that saved my life in April of 2002. By, the, by 2003, I had discovered that there are Catholic evangelists and preachers that are amazing that I didn't know about previously. Scott Hahn, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Well, uh, Father Bill Casey was among those, uh, that short list of incredible Catholics that just blew me away. When I heard his preaching a Lenten homily out of the, uh, the basement chapel at the shrine in Hansville, Alabama, which is truly amazing. I mean, the shrine itself is beautiful. The basement chapel is still incredible. And to to watch him preach this parish mission there, uh, I was just like blown away by how powerful of a speaker he was. You know, not to criticize too many homilists in the Catholic Church. However, uh, I just hadn't experienced much power and, and, and gravitas to that point. And when I discovered Father Bill Casey, I was like, this is the Baptist Catholic I was always looking for. You know, it felt Preach like, like that. a Baptist, worship like a Catholic. I'm telling you, it was it was awesome. So uh, I've loved Father Bill Casey ever since. I've been very blessed to work with him uh, in uh, several occasions, and he is a powerful Catholic preacher. And uh, I'm excited that he's going to be a part of this program. So that's coming up. They can. Uh, so you don't have to live in Houston. There's no requirement to have uh, be in the physical boundaries of Houston, Texas. You can live Tahiti, right? Anywhere. It doesn't matter. Exactly. And uh, you can get all those details. Sign up for it right there online at grnonline.com. If uh, if the, the entry fee for the link is a little too much for you, email me. There, my contact information is right there. I'd love to work with you on that. grnonline.com. Your chance to hear Father Bill Casey live on November 10th. Praise be to Jesus. Check that out. And uh, speaking of GRNOnline.com, if you've not been to the website within the last several months, you ought to go and check it out. We did roll out a brand new website earlier this year, and I think it's very functional. Very, it's much big improvement. It geolocates you, if you allow it anyway, and so it'll deliver your local Catholic radio station, your local event information, all of that. But you can still get to the network stuff as well. It's great. It's a great fit. Uh, now, we are also getting ready to roll out uh, the mobile app version. I guess it's 3.0 because we've, th- we've already had two versions pr- previously, if I'm not mistaken anyway. But this new version is a major overhaul. It's going to be a whole new fresh look. It's going to be very good, very functional, very user-friendly. I think you're going to love it. And I'm excited to say that it's coming out very, very soon. So please be on the lookout for that. It's a great way to stream us live, your local station, and listen to the podcast versions of the GRN shows. And you can find that free. Just search your iOS or Android store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, you know, what you guys do over the weekend? I had a great experience on Saturday I want to share. Did you guys do anything fun? Oh, I went for a long walk by myself. Like, when I take the kids uh, with me, I have to slow down, but my natural walking pace is just faster. It was oh, nice it? to have... You're a speed you know, walker. Yeah, pretty much, I guess. Wow. But that was fun. Praise God. David, anything good? Uh, got a chance to go out to Herman Park. So, uh, you know, yeah. here in the Houston area, that's one of the larger parks. And uh, I thought that, eh, not that many people will be out there. Boy, I was totally wrong. It was packed. It was packed. <laughs> it was packed. And uh, yeah, That's how it was back in the initial, you know, shut down, lock it all up, draconian, stay indoors or you might die phase of the COVID thing. Uh, I went. I went to the park and it was like I was bumping into people. It was like I thought we're supposed to be social distancing. I know that's you know? what I thought too. But no, uh, it was a great day yesterday. So it's really good to see people out, yeah. and that's you know that's what our parks are for. Sure, people get out there and enjoy the but, enjoy Joe, the weather. I want, I want to know what you did. You teased oh, this I earlier. I had a great opportunity. I didn't ask for this, but sometimes the Lord gives you these uh, softballs. And so Saturday, my family and I participated in a pilgrimage. 
we were going to walk from a parish downtown Houston all the way to St. Joseph's Parish on the outside of downtown Houston uh, to make a, a pilgrimage uh, to St. Joseph. It's here in this diocese. There's a there's a special indulgence associated to the year of St. Joseph here. So making this a sacrificial effort to to make the walk and to say the prayers for the po- uh, the Pope's intentions. You know, um, we made our consecration to St. Joseph based on Father Calloway's book back in, uh, I think it was February. So we were very excited to do this, and it was a great crowd. I mean, great crowd. But uh, for some reason, Father forgot the bullhorn. So, you know, they needed some, some, uh, some loudmouth guy to be the bullhorn for the pilgrimage. And I, for some odd reason, they came to me. Huh. Like, I didn't see that coming. Wow. R- little old me? Yeah, really? Well, yeah. Yeah, it's it's obvious, Joe. <laughs> so praise be to Jesus Christ. Like they walk straight up to me, they're like, "We need your help." I'm like, "What do you mean?" So, so uh, I was having flashbacks to to the Marine Corps days, you know. So I was having these flashbacks when I used to march the Marines and and uh, shout it out and uh, and but this was on a whole nother level. So. We're praying the mysteries of the rosary as we're processing through downtown Houston with police escort. Wow. And they're like, Joe, we need you to like be really loud so we can all hear. Done. Sold. <laughs> so I am I'm at the top of my lungs, like leading the column, you know, through these mysteries. And I'm shouting it out, you know, Jesus died to save sinners. You know, I'm just screaming out these mysteries. And you know, I can imagine because all these high rise condos there, I can just imagine <laughs> all these people like, what protests are going on down there? And uh, the police were getting a great kick out of it, actually. They're like, they thought this was hilarious, you That's know. Cool. Drill instructor Joe over there screaming the uh, the mysteries of the rosary. You know, they did make a great contrast, though. Some of the police officers who had had to go to protest and make sure things didn't get out of hand, they're like, well, this is a breath of fresh air. You know, nice. peaceful, you know, prayerful, you know, loud, but peaceful and prayerful. So it was a great experience. We really enjoyed it. And I think it reminds us that we don't have to go necessarily overseas. I mean, it's great. I would love to do, you know, the Via Compostela someday or go to Jerusalem or what have you, there's opportunities to make a pilgrimage, even in 2020, right in your own backyard. And uh, it's very easy to organize. You just get your priest, you get some folks together, maybe you get a police escort, you make a, a one or two mile trip, and uh, you, you say the prayers. It was wonderful. So you can check that off your bucket list now, right? No, I'd like to do that again. Okay, all right, so let's, <laughs> let's do it again. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Right, we, yeah. I, I, I might have embellished un poquito, you know? <laughs> I, might have, I might have really gotten into the role, but uh, I was having some flashbacks, you know, thunder, and the boots were slamming on the ground. But anyway, uh, a lot of stories in the headlines before we go to our guests. We're going to go to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to our guest, Joseph Chambra, about his life, his experience of somebody who was uh, living the homosexual lifestyle, what that means, and uh, also his comment on Amy Coney Barrett, I think, from last week's hearings and her use of the word sexual preference and how Senator Cory Booker and others took great exception to that uh, because uh, they seem to be very worried that she will overturn, you know, the... Uh, gay marriage in America. Well, is that the case? Well, we'll have that conversation with Joseph on the other side of the break. But there's several stories in the news that I'd like you to pay attention to. Uh, Turkey apparently has uh, been bringing in some uh, militant Islamists back into Armenia. And there's a lot of... Uh, 
persecution of Christians again. You might recall that there was an entire genocide of the Christians in Armenia uh, back in, I think it was like around this Lawrence of Arabia time frame, right before World War II. So that's kind of a big concern. In fact, I just saw a picture the other day from that original genocide of all of these women who were crucified along a road. I mean, there was like hundreds of them. Uh, that That's real. That happened. And there's real concern now that it could happen yet again. And Turkey is the one who is sort of orchestrating all of that. So please keep that in your prayers. Cardinal Zen has been outspoken again. We've talked about him uh, a few times, uh, really calling out Cardinal Paroline for this renewing of the deal in China, picking of bishops. It's such a tragedy for the uh, for the Catholic community there in, in China. So please keep them in your prayers. And of course, Tim in this headline news did comment about the uh, the Chile. Uh, the church is burning down in Chile. So talk about uh, communism and socialism. These things aren't good things. And when it, it bugs me to no end to see young people embrace these things, like seeing a, an image of Che Guevara on some teenagers or 20-something-year-old T-shirt. Do you have any idea how many people Che killed in his communist revolution in Cuba? It's not a good thing. Go to Miami, ask around. They'll tell you all about it. But we're going to go to break right now. We're gonna, on the other side of that break, we're going to be speaking with Joseph Chambra. And uh, he is with uh, Sons of St. Joseph or josephchambra.com. We'll link to it in the show notes of today's program. But lots in the news, lots in the news, lots to discuss, you know, and there's lots to go on. But you know what? There's never, there's never a lack of opportunity of prayer. To do penance, this is what Our Lady asked us to do in Fatima, 1917, to pray, to fast, to do penance. Are we doing that? Can we do more? I know I can, and I'm sure you can too. So let's commit ourselves with what time we have left on planet Earth to do these things, to pray, to fast, and do, to do penance. Maybe today we could pray an extra set of mysteries of the whole rosy. I know, because I know you're praying one. Why not two? Or possibly three? Who knows? You can do it. I can do it. We can do it together. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. It's GRN Alive Monday. I'm Joe McClain. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call 877-757-9424. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity. And supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. Hello from the studios of Guadalupe Radio Network. My name is Janelle, and I'm a student at the University of St. Thomas. Can you believe Guadalupe Radio Network is 20 years old? That's older than me. GRN has been able to grow and flourish for so many years thanks to the grace of God, the intercession of Our Lady, and thanks to volunteers and listeners like you. So GRN can continue to grow and change lives. Please visit grnonline.com to see how you can help. Once again, that's grnonline.com. 
heard it said, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. So instead of letting your unused vehicle sit idle one more day, why not donate it to the Guadalupe Radio Network? Just call 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate Now. That's 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click Donate Now. Later model cars or trucks are greatly appreciated. Seize the day by calling 1-866-2277. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday. I'm Joe McLean, your host. It's great to be on with you. Uh, every Friday, Dave Palmer, my colleague, hosts. And every Monday, I host. And uh, we always talk about the topics that are in the headlines, things that are going on, the important stuff. And when you try to get unique perspectives, and I, my guest today, I think, is going to provide that. His name is Joseph Chambra, and he's joining us all the way from uh, California. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to you. So you sound a little tired, Joseph. It's early there, I guess. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to have you on. You've got a very unique story, uh, one that I think is going to be great to share with our audience today. Uh, I was hoping maybe you can give us sort of like that, you know, the condensed version of your of your history and your past. We have a lot to dive into, especially that Amy Coney Barrett story. I'd love to get your take on that. But w- tell us, give us your little uh, your background. How did you grow up? What did you run into? And how did you get saved from it? Sure. Um, yeah, I grew up here in this, the San Francisco Bay Area. I was raised uh, fairly marginally Catholic in the 70s and 80s in, in, a, in a pretty liberal church here mm. and, and liberal parishes. Um, and I left the faith. Well, I didn't really leave the faith because I didn't really consider it anything to leave. But, but as a lot of young people do, when I went to college, I, I stopped practicing you know, the faith at all because my parents weren't telling me to go to mass or, or asking me to go to mass with them anymore. Yeah. But yeah. But, uh, as a boy too, I had, um, um, had a lot of, had a lot of problems. Didn't get along that well with my dad. Didn't, didn't, um, have a lot of male peers got, got into pornography at a, at a young age as, you know, as a viewer. Um, but, but you know, back then it wasn't internet. It was all, you know, magazine. I remember and, I have a similar yeah. story. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and then the videos, the videotapes came in 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 the eighties and, um, uh, I went to UC Berkeley and, uh, moved to Berkeley and moved to San Francisco. And, uh, but, but before that I had already pretty much decided that I was gay. So, um, I went into the the gay male community, the height of the AIDS crisis. So I I came out at a really bad time, which was 1988. Yeah, yeah, I saw a lot of death, a lot of suffering, and uh, I was in that that life for over ten years. Um, came close to losing everything a couple of times. Wow. Uh, had some close, yeah, I had some close calls with death, a few, and and then in 1999, I, I had another one, and uh, just decided that I I had enough. So. Um, at, at that point, I just uh, was pretty desperate. So, when when you're desperate, you make uh, pretty desperate decisions. And I yeah. and I decided to come back to the Catholic Church. Yeah, amen. Which yeah, which is something I never thought I would do in a, in a million years. But but while I was away from my family and the faith, my my parents said it had a a reconversion as well. Oh wow! And yeah, and they were very very devout at that time. The Rosary and going you know going to mass regularly amazing 
Would you say yeah, that and, they're, were they praying for you at that point? I mean, were they well, you, praying and yeah, hoping that you would return? Yeah, especially my father, who I had been pretty distant from and, and alienated from. My dad had been praying for me for a long time. He became very, very dedicated to the rosary. He used to say uh, for, not four decades, four mysteries of the rosary twice a day. Wow. So uh, that's a lot of Hail Marys. It's like over 400. <laughs> Praise be to so, Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How incredible is that? Yeah. So, uh, so I've been a Catholic for 20 years. Yeah. Hasn't been easy, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's been highs and lows. Uh, yeah. So, welcome, um, welcome to the family, right? <laughs> there's always highs and lows. But wh- one of the points I want you to, to sort of elaborate on, it seems to me, um, cause I, I think we're about around the same age. I was born in 74. I don't know how old you are. Oh, no, I'm, I'm older, 69. You're, wow. I'm glad you're sitting down, Joseph. I don't want you to, you know, I'm just teasing you. I'm only teasing you about your age. Uh, okay. Well, I, it, you know, growing up, I remember you, you would see like gay characters on television or whatever, but you didn't know anybody. You never, I had never really experienced that too often until I was a young adult. Um, and there was always this taboo around that. Now, fast forward 2020 and society tells you, Oh, it's normal. It's fine. These people are just like everybody else. I mean, listening to uh, Cory Booker's exchange with Amy Coney Barrett about her use of the word sexual preference during the hearings, even he kept referring to these uh, these couples, these loving couples, over and over again. He kept giving examples in his district or whatnot. Um, what what do you think about that? Uh, is there is the perception true? Is it a little bit of mixed bag? What's the real deal when it comes to the lifestyle of, of people with same sex attraction? Uh, well, you know they kind of conglomerate everybody into one group, the LGBTQ plus community, and they're they're all pretty they're all pretty different. Mm-hmm. I mean, gay men, I think, since Obergefell, have not embraced same sex marriage. I mean, we're looking. If if you look at the L, the lesbian and gay populations, only about twelve percent are married. Wow. You know, compared to you know about fifty percent of heterosexuals, so they haven't. And and um, there's been some important studies done, and um, one in San Francisco in particular looked at uh, gay male couples, uh, monogamous, uh, semi-monogamous, you know, uh, married couples. Uh, and and it showed that that most of those relationships are open relationships, meaning that they allow for um, sex outside of the of the the the, cup, uh, the relationship. So, yeah, I, I don't know when they talk about um, same sex couples in that very homogeneous way. I, I don't know how true it is. I, I don't I don't think it I don't think it is. So. Was the lifestyle, I mean, you, you, you mentioned that you came close to death a few times. It sounds to me like the lifestyle in general, or at least the one you were living, is pretty destructive. Is, is that true? Or is it true for a, a specific set of people uh, living the lifestyle? Or is it true in a more general way? What's the reality there? Uh, I mean, it, it can be. I mean, if you get into any sort of self-destructive behavior it can get bad i mean even if you're not gay right um i mean yeah i knew people that were into drugs and all kinds of things but um i mean i read about this in my book the extremes in the gay male community tend to go really extreme Hmm. because you don't have the temp this is my argument 
you don't have the temper and influence of women. Um, like I find that fascinating the, that you say that. It's yeah, like, like you do in the heterosexual yeah. sphere. Women, I mean, not to get too much into my life, but I mean, I, I knew female prostitutes that had limits about what they would and would not do. Mm-hmm. And um, in the gay male world, I you could always find someone like me who had no limits. Yeah, um, that's that's where things can really swerve out of control when you get a lot of guys together who have similar um, dysfunctions and, and similar psychological needs. Uh, yeah, it can get bad, I, bad. It's it still it still does. It still does. So, um, so the le- the left reacted, uh, you know, I, in my in my point of view, left it, the left acted or reacted in a kind of a weird way to the use of the word sexual preference, which, I mean, was being yeah. used by left media constantly. And then now Amy Coney Barrett uses it. And all of a sudden it's a big issue. Um, so when you commented on this story on your social media feed, I saw your comments and I, I, I saw like like an onion. There are several layers to this. And I wanted to pick your brain about that. So I want you to maybe uh, set that up for us. When you were seeing this story hit the headlines, what did you think based on your life and uh, and the experiences that you had gone through? And how do you think about it now that you've been chased for 17 years living the Catholic life? Sure. Um, yeah, when I saw the story about what she had said, I didn't, I didn't see it live. I wasn't watching the hearings. But um, I, I thought it was really revealing because – She's very unapologetically pro-life mm-hmm. and, and Catholic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, she's going to be confirmed for the Supreme Court. So it, it's interesting, you know, how the perception of a, of a pro-life, a pro-life or a pro-life advocate has changed. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when, um, you know, pro-lifers, you know, were, um, People would say, "Well, pro-lifers want women to die in a black back alley abortion," right. and, and yeah. I, I mean, I think that for some people, you, you know, I've gone to the March for Life in San Francisco, and you still see people waving hangers about, you know, <laughs> not much. Yeah. But you know, I think because of the hard work of people in the pro-life movement, where they've been able to, you know, call out, you know, abortion for what it is—the mm. taking of an unborn innocent life—but because they have reached out to women, you know, with care and compassion, you know, who've procured an abortion, you know, I don't think, I don't think they can, the other side can make that argument anymore. The pro-lifers don't care about women or want them to die. Yeah. You know, so, so I think that's changed. Um, in terms of the Christian or Catholic, you know, outreach to the, to the gay community, you know, I think if you question or like Amy Comey Barrett did, just sort of misspeak. I think she was just, I don't think she had any ulterior motive about saying sexual preference instead of sexual orientation. She just, she said you know, it. It's prob- yeah. yeah, it's probably not yeah. something that's, I don't know. Well, it's she, she, actually, she, about. she actually said to Senator Cory Booker that she wasn't trying to make any statements whatsoever, one way no, or the other. Of course not. She was just simply speaking from a legal perspective uh, on the topic. And, uh, and it's, Senator Booker was trying to push her into making a statement, and she was trying to duck that as best she could. It sounded like to me. I don't know what your take was. Yeah. Well, no, I don't think she was had any ulterior motive. But I mean, it's it's revealing because it shows that if you question anyway any of these LGBT dogmas, 
you know, you are labeled as a hater yes. right away. So I think it was necessary for her at that point that, I mean, because it, it didn't happen right at the moment. Mm. It was later. She apologized for saying that. I, I really don't, I don't think she had anything to apologize for. But, I, you know, I just think it, that would have kept going if uh, she wouldn't have apologized. And she, and she did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's been great moves forward for pro-life advocates. Uh, for those who question anything LGBT, no, not so much. Yeah, and I think that's a big story, <laughs> in my opinion. I've been saying this for a few years now. You can be pro-life. You can be outspoken and be pro-life. And, um, yeah, there are difficulties, and there's certainly a lot of stories of people who have been persecuted for their pro-life beliefs. But if you try to speak out against a gender ideology, against the attack on traditional marriage, uh, uh, you could not only be persecuted, but far worse, I think, could happen to you in the long run. And I see this as a trajectory the country is going in, the normalization of, of gender ideology over the past two decades. I don't, I think that's a, that's a, big deal. And I think a lot of Christians are under, um, I don't think they appreciate how big of a deal this really is. And I seem to get that sense from you when I read your comments. I felt like you were trying to suggest that there's something bigger here that we need to be paying attention to. Uh, do, do you feel that way? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've, I've always said that the, especially for the Catholic church, I think the big cultural question is not, um, in these culture wars is not so much abortion. I think it's the identity issue mm. um, because I've seen that's the one that, that, that slices right through families. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I've seen families that I thought were fairly, we would say like conservatives go the other way pretty quickly when it, when a kid comes out as LGBT. Um, he, for, I mean, abortion is not an identity. It's a serious thing. I mean, people can have an abortion and nobody knows about it. It's not right. something I think that people tend to like come out with at Thanksgiving dinner with the family. No. And say, I had, I had an abortion. Yeah. Um, whereas the identity, you know, that happens a lot. And then people really are faced with the real world uh, question about, well, what do I do? Uh, what do I do? Do I embrace this or do I question it? And I think yeah. people in general tend to go with the embrace uh, because the questioning is a lot more difficult. It's a more difficult path to take. Mm. You know, I, I, I know some folks in this category, and I know that to walk that road with, with adult children who've gone and done these or made these decisions is not at all easy. Boy, is it complicated. Boy, is it difficult. Boy, is it painful. And yet I've also known some folks, like you just said, Joseph, uh, that, you know, they'll be, they'll be preaching against it until they discover their, that their adult child or their teenager or whatever has come out of the closet. And then all of a sudden they've done a, they've done a 180 and they've embraced the entire lifestyle. It's like they could not see, uh, they're like an either or. They're not there. They can't see that middle ground of, of holding uh, true to the what the church teaches in regards to human sexuality and continuing to love and walk with their child like they can't see that middle road at all what what would say you on that 
What would you yeah. say to a parent in that situation? My, I mean, my heart goes out to moms and dads who really have, like you said, you know, ch- maybe changed their mind. Because, I mean, in the Catholic Church, the message, I mean, at best, is confusing. Mm-hmm. Because I, f- for better or worse, whether we like it or not, the public face of this issue in the Catholic Church is James Martin. Mm-hmm. So he is the go-to guy on this issue. And what he has said is that uh, children are born gay. People are born gay. Um, kids from a very young age know that they are gay or not. And you need to embrace that, support it. Uh, and then he does a lot of scare tactics, scare tactics with parents. You know, if you do not embrace this thing fully, you know, your child is going to commit suicide. So, I mean, parents are scared and they don't know what to do. So, uh, I I mean, if they're they're looking at the Catholic Church for answers uh, that that they're told to uh, get on board very, very quickly. Um, And it's it's just not it's not the right thing to do. I, I just think, well, I mean, you know, homosexuality deserves a lot, I think, of examination there's a lot of there's a lot of other issues that gay people have before and after coming out Mm -hmm. just being gay there's there's high rates of mental illness uh 46 percent of gay men were sexually molested as as children by someone of the same sex yeah almost half joseph you still there's there's a lot of issues of addiction and um yeah those things don't go away just because somebody comes out and just because a family is uh, affirming of them. We're talking with Joseph Chambra. Uh, you can go to his website, josephchambra.com, Sons of St. Joseph. We're talking about uh, the difficulties of this lifestyle, the difficulties of, of the implications uh, this has on society and family in, in general, and why this statement from Andy Co- Amy Coney Barrett in her hearing last week, especially in her exchange with uh, Senator Cory Booker, and I would encourage you to look that up, Google that. You'll find the video and you can see it for yourself. Um, why there's uh, there's uh, something deeper here that I think we need to be paying attention to, and it gets connected, it gets wrapped up into this gender identity ideology, which I think is a very vicious ideology and uh, has lasting implications, even more, I think, than the abortion issue. The Holocaust of abortion um, is being confronted head-on by incredible pro-life warriors. Uh, I think uh, Teresa Kamara, who's our part of our show, is among the list of, of pro-life warriors. Sean Carney and Abby Johnson and so many, I mean, many, many, many incredible pro-life warriors doing uh, really great work in that field. And they can travel the country, they can speak boldly, they can go to parishes, and they can talk loudly and boldly. But if you are somebody who who believes in what the church teaches about human sexuality, and that uh, this gender ideology is a virus that corrupts uh, people and the way they think and the way they act, and how reaching out to those with same-sex attraction does not mean embracing the lifestyle, well, good luck. You 
You can't go to parishes. You can't speak out boldly. I mean, you can might even be fired from your job. So I think it's a bit of a different ball game. Uh, you you do full time work in reaching out to to especially men. I would say I, I don't know if you reach out to women at all in your work uh, in, who are same sex attracted, but I see lots of pictures of you going to pride rallies and and you know Jesus loves gay guys and it's just you do this incredible work of going to where they're at and uh, sort of as Pope Francis might say, smelling like the sheep a little bit, uh, being among them, but to give them a message of hope in their darkness. Um, beyond that, do you get many opportunities to share your message? Yeah. Uh, well, I have to make those opportunities happen. <laughs> um, I mean, early on, I had, I had never had any intention of doing any kind of outreach or, or missionary work at, at like Gay Pride or Folsom Street Fair, or any of these, you know, sex fairs in San Francisco. Um, I mean, I had gone to them when I was gay and I had no intention of ever going back. Um, but, you know, I quickly realized, you know, 20 years ago that I didn't have a form in the Catholic church. I mean, no parish would let me speak. I, I'm, I'm speaking to you today. God bless you. But, you know, I did very little radio. That's how I ended up on the Howard Stern show. To the, to another <laughs> I feel story. bad for you. But, <laughs> I have not watched your interview with Howard Stern because I can't watch Howard Stern anymore. Uh, I imagine that was <laughs> incredibly tricky for you. Well, you know what? I, you know, through the nineties, I had listened to him. I did too. A lot. I did you know, too. so I kind of knew what I was walking into. I knew it oh, was good. a conversation with Martha Stewart. I, I knew it was going to be a bit rough. Yeah, but you know he he was I'd say he was generally respectful. Good, but but um I ended up going back to you know the pride fairs and all that other stuff because I just figured you know the Catholic Church will not give me a place to speak, so I'll I'll just hit the streets. So you know I've I've had some dedicated volunteers. Most of the people, God bless them, that that do volunteer with me don't want to do it as a second year in a row. Yeah, um, it's difficult. I had. Yeah, lately I've had some guys that are are awesome, and they have been with me the last couple of years. Yeah. But we we go, we we hand out rosaries, and we just it's hard to have a conversation with you know disco music going on and everybody's <laughs> you know wasted because they're all smoking pot here yeah. in, in California and not dressed but, well. Let's just say they're not very well dressed either, so it can be very lot. distractive. Yeah, yeah, for some people. So, um, but but at least. It, I always kind of say it's kind of like Johnny Appleseed. We go there, we, you know, we, we uh, you know, plant some trees and hopefully things will grow. And, and uh, I have had good, it's the Holy Spirit works in a very interesting way because like at San Francisco Pride, there's usually over a million people there. Wow. And yeah, out of a million people, what's the chances that you're going to run into somebody that you ran into like three or four years ago? It's like zero. And I have, it's happened like consistently where I've run into people and, and they say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for giving me the rosary. I kept it on my nightstand. Wow. And there was a, yeah. And there was a couple of nights where, you know, things were difficult and they picked it up and, you know, they learned how to pray it and they're praying the rosary. And, you know, I never believed much in the power of prayer, especially the rosary. It seemed like very superstitious, very old, old world. You know? But, you know, later when I got out of that life and I couldn't really figure out, you know, why I had been saved and so many of my friends who were like so less, you know, perverse than me, you know, didn't make it. Mm. And I think the difference for a lot of times 
is that I I had somebody praying for me, which was my father. Wow. And I, so I think prayer does make the difference. And I think if somebody just in a dark moment, in a time that they feel really lonely and isolated, if they pick up a rosary and they pray it, I mean, I think it can it can change their lives. So that's why I keep going. This year I didn't go because all those stuff, all those things were canceled. That's but, amazing. Um, we're talking with Joseph Chambra, and we're talking about his life, what it's like to live this uh, this life. Uh, how to even get out of it? I think is an important conversation, and uh, sort of the the optics of our society. We have about five minutes left before we say goodbye to our radio audience, and then we'll stay on social media: Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter uh, for the live video feed for the after show. You can find us on those platforms. Just search for us for at GRN Online. You'll find us and be a part of our live conversation with Joseph Chambra today um you know i produced a documentary film called the other side of fear that dealt with a father wound where i shared my own wound of my dad and uh and the relationship that we had which led to pornography addiction uh you know uh terrible decisions and in dating practices let's just say and abortion and a lot of brokenness and a lot of dysfunction in our life and our family and lasting effects but i think you you just said something that i think that illustrates the power what god can do even in the darkest you know situations and i know i've listened to some of your other interviews with other uh Folks, and you've described in greater detail in those places sort of the brokenness that you were in, the dark brokenness that you were in. And yet, even though uh, your father and you didn't, you had some issues growing up, your father had a powerful conversion and your father prayed for you. So I think this is a message for men who are might, might be older, right? They may, they have grown children, grandchildren even, and they made a lot of bad choices in life. And now, through the grace of God, they've had a change. Or maybe there's some moms out there, too. A lot of mom wounds, too. Um, what would you say to those people? There's still hope, isn't there? Yes, of course. Yeah. Especially, I think people need to not under, underestimate the power of prayer. You know, my dad was always a very robust, you know, physically opposing guy. You know, as he get, got older, you know, and I'm experiencing this now, too, you know, your physical you know, presence, you know, tends to diminish and, um, you know, you're at home more and, 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 you know, illness, you start to be plagued by illness and things. Mm. And, you know, in my eyes, I guess, you know, my dad had diminished as well, but I mean, that's when his prayer life really uptakes. So in reality, although, you know, he physically maybe wasn't as powerful as he was, you know, in his twenties and thirties and forties, but my dad was more of a warrior than he ever was. It, it sounds kind of trite and it sounds sentimental, but um, he was because especially I just through all my life when things were really bad. But even when I came back to the church, you know, there was a certain amount of suffering that I was going through that my dad prayed just cease, cease, ceaselessly. Mm. And, and yeah, it, I, I think people need to realize that there is something that they can do, even if if they don't see it as something like concrete, where they're not taking the person by the shoulders and and shaking them. You know, I I think there's a lot of ways to rouse people out of a, out of kind of a a delirium that they're in. And, uh, you know, one way is, is through prayer. I never thought I would say that because I always thought you had to confront people and, uh, 
yell at them or uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, those those yeah. things have have a are necessary sometimes as well but I, I think you know I think once you've done all that mm. once you've talked with the person uh, once you're you're not you know so much of the same mind what else can you do and I think you can just pray yeah and I, and I really believe it. I really believe it. I mean, I've seen it in, in my own life, but I've seen it in a lot of other people. It's like, because the, I have to say the common denominator that cut through the gay community that I was around, the guys that died mm. in the 90s and the ones that lived, I have to say the ones that lived had families that weren't completely on board wow. with everything. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. It's it's sad. It's sad. So, um, All right. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought there, Joseph. Joe, we're speaking with Joseph Chambra, and he's going to stay on with us for the after show. So we're about to say goodbye across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Joseph, uh, just for the sake of the radio audience, thanks for being on with us today. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, but we're going to continue our conversation. A couple of points I want to take up in the after show is more of the gender ideology and how that, how that is affected. The effects of pornography. We're talking heterosexual pornography that could lead to worse things. Uh, I think that's an important conversation for moms and dads to keep in mind when they're dealing with their especially teenage boys, but growing leaps and bounds these days with girls as well. Uh, so I'd like to have that conversation. And then, of course, let's go back to that confusing message of Catholic uh, hierarchy, priests and bishops and the church sort of speaking out of both sides of their mouth. That's confusing and why that could be destructive. I mean, uh, there are reports of, uh, you know, these homosexual parties at Vatican apartments. I mean, they're not just reports. There's documented evidence of it as well. So there's lots of shenanigans that go on that I think are a part of the problem, not the solution. And I think it's important to have that conversation. So all of that in the after show coming up here in just a few minutes. But uh, we're very grateful to you. Don't forget to go to grnonline.com and uh, check out what's coming up for the Fishers of Men Dinner. There's a West Texas one next week with Bishop Strickland. Uh, and then there's that virtual one with Father Bill Casey that you can be a part of no matter where you're at in the GRN. Just go to grnonline.com, go up to events, and go to Fishers of Men Houston, and you'll find that information. You can register and be a part of that program. And again, I'm very excited about the brand new mobile app that's coming out. It's a complete overhaul. It's going to be beautiful and some uh, new functionality very user friendly that's coming out but you can download the current one right now just go to your ios or android store and look for the guadalupe radio network and last but not least we're doing a rosary for america on across the guadalupe radio network uh, after the, the divine mercy chaplet october 25th through the november the 2nd check that out we'll see you in the after show thank you for listening to grn alive from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go this week. Are you wanting to learn more about your faith? 
Do you need a local, reliable source for books faithful to the Magisterium? Sacred Heart Books and Gifts is the place for you. Located at the northwest corner of Coyton Campbell Road in far north Dallas, Sacred Heart has everything you need from gifts for everyone in your family, books for all ages, and beautiful religious art. You can reach them at 972-250-2100, or you can stay up to date on fun upcoming events at the store by visiting their website, sacredheartdallas.com. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. 